Before we start today's episode, I do want to put a trigger warning on this episode. Um, There will be talks of depression, anxiety, personality disorders, self-harm, suicide, losing loved ones, and abuse in the home. Please listen only to where you feel comfortable. If not, please stop the episode and watch one of the, or listen to one of the others because this one is going to be a lot. Happy Sunday, everyone, and welcome back to Candid and Chaos. I'm your host, Kayla, and today is the long-awaited mental health, mental illness journey growing up with trauma and also I'll be touching a little bit on grief so let's get started with the podcast before we start this off I don't want I want to just put in this little blurb I guess saying what happened to me does not invalidate what happened to anybody else and I also want to put out that my family is not responsible for what happened happened to me and I do not blame them in case it comes out that way I do not blame them they are not at fault so I want to start this off with saying that it took me a long time to validate what I went through because from the outside everything looked okay Um, I had a good life for the most part other than what I'm about to talk about later and or as we get on with this episode but you know like I traveled and I rode horses and all of that, but I just want to talk about how, like, this can happen to anyone. I don't want to invalidate anyone else's trauma, and I don't want to, like, I'm, like, this is just one story out of millions, but all your trauma and everything that a person has went through is valid, regardless of your life, so I just want to put that in there. So, like I mentioned before, growing up, I had you know, from the outside, a pretty normal life, it looked like. I rode horses, we traveled, I skied for a while, like, we'd go to different resorts and ski. Um, but what I went through is something that I refer to as white picket abuse. This is a made-up term. It's not a real term. It's a term I use to help me, um, recover from my trauma and to validate it, because for the longest time, I just couldn't believe that what happened to me um was harmful even though it was so when i use this term i refer to it as we had such a perfect life on the outside but on the inside everything was shit um so let's get into my story i'm gonna first talk about what it was like at home so my parents got divorced when i was like four or five i can't remember exactly when um, that, like, never affected me majorly, but I think it definitely, you know, plays somewhat of an effect, but it just, I feel like I've gone through so much more that that just doesn't seem like a big thing. Um, so, like, later on, my mom started dating someone new and he moved in with us, and looking back on it now, this man was a drunk. I later found out he was an addict. He brought a lot of anger and abuse into our home and he what he I want to say he's at fault for causing a lot of strain on mine and my mom's relationship my relationship with my sister he caused a lot of damage to our family back in grade four I was go, or like grade four to grade six I was going through a lot with school 
I was losing friends. There was a lot of drama. I'll get into that more when I talk about school. But during this time, too, I was bringing home all that baggage, and I was coming home to a household that was really toxic. I'm a person who definitely fights more than I should. I get, I have a very, like, high fight or flight response. It's my anxiety. It's genetics at that point. But because of this, and I think everything that was going on around me, they were magnified, and I was so terrified. So when I would get into fights, I think normally, like, teenagers have fights with their moms. But the fights that we got into were horrible. They were physical. They were not one-sided. They were not her being mean to me or like her being horrible to me or me being horrible to her. They were a joint effort. And I think we were both suffering from so much pain that we were getting put through by who was around us by that man or by my ex-stepdad. Whose name I'm not going to mention. Um, we never pursued. I never pursued legal action. There's no evidence to anything. Um, I'd called the cops on him at one point, and unfortunately, because I had a very high flight or flight response and the brokenness of our system, when the police showed up, my ex-stepdad was questioned, and he told the cops that I was crazy, and then they left, and they didn't do anything. So, um, going back to it, me and my mom had a really horrible relationship for so many years, and Growing up, like, my mom had us majority of the time. It was about 75, 25. My mom had us during the school weeks, and they rotated weekends. It was getting to the point where I was being asked and asked to leave or being kicked out so often that I, me and my dad made the choice to, I was going to go 50-50, so I, one week on, one week. One week at my mom's, one week at my dad's, just to get me out of the house, but, like, still not, so that I could still see if I could rekindle a relationship with her that wasn't the case until I moved away from university things proceedingly got worse in that household and there was still a lot of toxicity and drama and yelling and abuse at this point it was a verbal abuse I was being told things that no one should ever have to be told at my age or like the age I was then at any age no one should undergo what I went through at any point because this man was a drunk and an alcoholic or a drunk and an addict I don't think he he's just a shitty person unfortunately um the one time me and my mom were fighting it was in the kitchen and I didn't put a trigger warning for this but I'm gonna this is probably where the largest part of abuse comes into I was fighting with my mom over something probably so minuscule and stupid and my ex-stepdad at this point was either cooking dinner or putting dishes away and he held a knife to my face and threatened me while holding it. And that moment changed everything for me. And this was such a pinnacle moment within that family dynamic in which I left permanently. You know, on the odd occasion for like holidays and stuff, I made the effort to go back and see them. Because family is very important to me. But yeah, that night I packed everything up in garbage bags and any bins I can have. And I moved to my dad's permanently. And then after grade 9, I moved to BC with my dad and my stepmom. So, And then later on that year, that same year that I had moved, my mom finally left this man. Which I'm very thankful for because we've been able to rekindle a relationship from this. But to reverse it all... Um, Let's talk about what happened in school. So going back to like grade four, grade five, grade six, because, and like I said, like I think it was just because there's so much toxicity around me 
at home. I think I also, and everything that was going on with school, you know, like, we were, like, we're all changing, and we're, this is the point in which there's a lot of drama, and fighting, and friends are falling out, and you're creating new friends, and you're just figuring out who you are at this point for, like, your high school years, and first off, our grade six class was horrible. We've had, we had one of the worst grade six classes my school had ever seen. A teacher quit teaching because of us, but just because our grade as a whole, we were just so full of drama, and there's a lot of kids doing drugs and drinking and bringing it to school, and there's just a lot of issues surrounding that. For me, grade six was particularly horrible for my mental health. In that year, I started to self-harm, and my anxiety and my depression really took place at this point between what's going on at school and what's going on at home. So I did start to self-harm, and I think the worst part was, is this is around the time in which it was become, it was a trend, you know, people would talk about it, it wasn't, like, no one ever really knew up until, like, I think I started telling people at the end of grade 7 what I was going through, but I was just seeing all these other girls doing it, and I was like, you know what, I might as well too, I've got all this pain, and that doesn't excuse it, I had a self-harm addiction for many years, probably up until, uh, pro until grade 11, I relapsed a few times throughout high school, so, um, going into grade 7, things, you know, started to get better, but there's still the same drama, there's issues at home, uh, at this point I'm in therapy, I'm getting a little bit of help, because my, I opened up a to my stepmom about my anxiety the other stuff no one really no one knew in my family about um so grade seven started looking a little bit upwards and then we go into grade eight and grade eight was a living hell there was a lot of i was going through a lot of family this is the bulk of my family issues were in grade eight and i was having a lot of issues with friends I was in a relationship at that point that wasn't the healthiest. It was both-sided. Like, I was going through a lot, so I couldn't be healthy, and he wasn't healthy, and it was really toxic. I'm not going to go deep into that because I don't talk to him anymore. And once again, like, because it was a relationship, the story's not just mine to share. And I know for a fact that he wouldn't want me talking about it. And there's a lot of misconception. Like, there's a lot of stuff around that that... There's a lot of fuzzy lines because of, like, regression and pushing memories out of my head and stuff like that. This little, like, the tiniest amount of respect that I have for that guy. I'm not going to talk about it. Other than what I've talked about so far. But, so yeah, and then at the same time, like, I'm losing friends. I'm in the deepest pit of my self-harm at this point in grade 8. It was, I wish I could have gotten, actu like, actual help, mental health system in, or in this point failed me in grade eight my family did find out because I had a friend tell my mom I wish I'm very happy she told my family I just wish it, she wouldn't have told my mom because my mom didn't understand it as soon as my mom knew it made it worse because I was punished for it I was you know I had my door taken away I had every privilege I had stripped away from me at this point because I was struggling um, and they just didn't know how to help. In grade 8, at the end of grade 8, I had my first attempt. It failed. I went to school the next day. People found out because um, I passed out. My best friend, she's still my best friend now, but she 
told my she covered for me as best as she could but she ended up having to tell like our our like uh, admin team so like our principal vice principal and my mom obviously knew because she worked at the same school I went to so we went to the hospital they fixed me up I lied to them so I but even then I had therapy that same night so worked out that way but um he said there's no way you're getting a bed our system is just it's not set up it's too flooded you're you won't get a bed and I think if I would have gotten help that summer like I think if I would have gotten a bed it would have changed things um I don't think it would have snowballed as bad as it continued so at this point we're going into my first year of high school or grade nine and I was so depressed I was so depressed and I was so anxious um, my anger was still there around this time I was getting involved with really horrible things that I haven't even talked with my family about so I don't want to share it because this is things that I've told per, like health professionals so like my doctor and my past therapists but I have no desire to share it with my family or the world so unfortunately that's all you get for that but um, so yeah, I was getting involved with a lot of horrible stuff. There was still a lot of drama at school. For basically from like grade 9 or grade 4 to grade 9, it was constant drama and just issues. And I was friends maybe with the wrong people. Maybe I was... And I wasn't like... If you've talked to me recently, if you knew me from then, you've talked to me recently. I've like I will apologize for everything I've done because I was so hurt back then. I didn't know what to do. Like continuing on, um, that year was just really horrible. My dad had lost his job. I'd lost my grandpa on my dad's side. And my papa. Things just weren't looking good. We there's talk about moving to BC at this point, and as soon as I knew there was a small hope, I ended the relationship I was in. I packed my stuff and I was ready to go, even though we had like I had like six months before. I would have moved because I didn't end up moving six months later, but I was so ready to leave. I just wanted a fresh start. The rest of grade nine was still pretty bad. So that would, like what I just, when my grandpa's passed away and my dad lost his job, that was Christmas. So it was rough. And then continuing on, I was still feeling so lonely and worthless and so many thoughts were going through my head. It was horrible. Once again, depression's high, anxiety's high. I'm going through a lot of stuff. There's a lot of drama. There's I'm still having issues with my mom and my ex-stepdad. And then I got into another relationship that wasn't healthy at all. It was toxic. It was horrible. And it ruined me. That's all I'm saying. And then I moved. I moved to BC. And the first few months were really good. I had a, like, the transition was a little bit hard. Just because at this point I was so anxious and so damaged that finding friends were super hard and I did end up making friends friendships that a majority of them I'm not friends with anymore and I lost a lot of people I once again got involved in stuff I shouldn't have this is struggling a lot at home with my dad and my stepmom at this point because I had a lot of unresolved trauma and issues from living with my mom and my ex-stepdad and then February 2018, I went to a doctor's appointment to talk about medication changes. Um, I was never good. I got on meds in grade 8, 
after my mom found out I was self-harming. It's never good at taking them. I hated taking them. Looking back, I think it was a response to being punished for what I was going through, and I just couldn't get into the routine of taking them. So I was at an appointment to get my pills changed, and I looked at her, and I was like, you need to admit me into a hospital because I will kill myself. And that's all I told her. And she made the call, and my stepmom took me home, and we got a bag, and I went to the hospital for 72 hours. And that was hard. It was traumatizing. Um, in BC, the closest youth psychiatric ward is Prince George, where I live now, but I was six hours away at the time. So this 72-hour hold, I am in a panic room, which they deemed I was allowed to have a bed which was nice. It made it a little bit better, but if you've ever been in one of these rooms, they are dehumanizing. I don't, I understand that to a point because you need to make sure that this person isn't hurting themselves, but it is dehumanizing. Um, especially most of the time you do not get a bed in there because it is seemed as a way that you could hurt yourself. But you're in a room by yourself other than my parents were allowed to see me. I had a few friends visit me, but not many. Um, they really just didn't want that. Um, your bathroom's in your room with you. Which is humanizing. I hated it. And the walls are all rounded. So it's not like a circle. Like You're not in a sphere. But you're in a room where, like, if when the wall joins up, there's a corner. And each of those corners are rounded. So... Every wall, the connection to the wall to the ceiling and the um, floor to the wall, they're all rounded. And you're so bored and you're so lonely. And I wish that experience could have gone better. But I was able, they did release me afterwards. I did feel better. I was meeting with psych or a psychologist and we, you know, created a plan and I was supposed to see her every week, and we went on there. And things were looking up at this point. Things were getting better up until a few days later. At this point, I hadn't seen my therapist again. Um, but there was a very traumatic event in between there, in between leaving the hospital and seeing my therapist again. That if that had not happened, I think things would have been different. Things really would have been different. I think, I actually think if that event didn't happen, things would have gotten worse. Um, but after that week, I shut out that experience and I was doing really good for about a year and a half, um, or about a year, because that would have been February to February. So I was doing really good. You know, I was still kind of fighting with my parents, but I think at this point it was just teenage drama and then came grade 11 and this year hurt that year hurt we ha had a little bit of a drama like there's an I had an issue with one of my really close friends and we had a falling out and then we were friends again later on that friend got really sick it's not my story to tell but he got really sick with in I want to say it was influenza and a staph infection um he was flown to Vancouver and he passed away there that's so hard to go through when I lost my grandpa it wasn't as hard because he was older even then, it was a surprise, so it was hard, but losing someone, losing a person who I consider to be a brother to me at 17 hurts like hell. It still hurts every day. Never grieved properly for between six and eight months. For many months, I did not admit to myself what happened. I had in my head he would come back, and he never did. And 
I remember having the realization I was with one of his friends and we were driving around just kind of talking about it because I never grieved and it just hit me like a truck what had happened and I think at that point my grieving process started or I moved out of the denial phase I had realized what had happened and then I, I don't know if this is very common I've never looked into it once again I've never asked about it but the friend group that I had that we were friends with him fell apart afterwards it completely crumbled we were all trying to process this and we all had other things going on in our lives and I'm not friends with any of them in that friend group anymore there's one person I talk to on occasion because she lives in Prince George and we go to the same school we all went our separate ways which is hard because I, I still struggle with his passing because I never grieved and I'm real I'm going back to therapy starting this Friday so I'm hoping I can find some tools and get some clarity in what had happened what have ha what's happened and so we're moving into my grade 12 year and grade 12 was such a blur my first semester was okay and then my second semester I was so depressed I was struggling at home again with my dad and my stepmom I was really I think I was regressing into and I wasn't dealing with the trauma I had gone through and having my friend pass, it cycled everything through again. Um, I was drunk for majority of grade 12 year. I skipped a lot of class. I, I still pulled off graduating, um, but going through like spring break, graduation and prom, I was so numb during it, I couldn't enjoy it, which is really unfortunate. Um, and then I graduated, and school ended, and the, one of the worst summers of my life happened. I wasn't, like, I ride horses, and I wasn't, I didn't ride horses for my entirety of my grade 12 year, because I was so depressed, and I was so disconnected from everyone, and no one was seeing it, no one was, I really, and it's really unfortunate, I really hate to say this, because maybe I'm seeing it wrong, but it just felt like I was on the back burner of everyone's plate. No one was seeing what I was going through. I don't blame them because I didn't open up, but no one saw what was going on. That year, I had my third, or that summer, I had a third suicide attempt. And that one probably, that one was the worst one. That one, I think, would have done it if my, I'm no longer friends with the person because she was toxic. But I thank her so much because she saved my life. I think I would have died that night. However, I begged her and I begged her and I begged everyone that knew that I wasn't going to the hospital. I didn't want people to know because I was going to move to university and life was going to be okay. I think if I would have gone to the hospital that summer, I would have gotten so much more help and I would have bettered myself so much more. And after that, I never told my family. I just forgot about or not forgot about it, but I moved on. Left for university two weeks later. And started a new life. I met Nick and I love him so much and we have our fam little family of my cat and our dog and I've, I've fixed a lot of relationships with my family with my mom and my dad and my stepmom and I've worked on rebuilding friendships that I may have once broken. So that's my story. That's where I've gone with my mental health and that's what has shaped me to be who I am today 
that is what has stemmed my passion of talking about mental health. And I just want people to know that they're not alone. And I'm posting this, I'm sharing this to remove the stigma that mental health still has. I've talked about it throughout the podcast, but I have anxiety and depression. And I also, last winter, was going through the proper, like, channels of getting diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. And that was the first thing, first time I'd ever felt clarity in what I was going through the first time that what I was going through felt legitimate, the things I was feeling, my emotions. And it's crazy to see the change that has been my life and the roller coaster and the ups and the downs. But just know you're not alone. If you want to share your story, share your story. It helps fight the stigma. It helps other people realize that they're not alone in their fight. I'm a, I survived it. You can survive it. So, thank you guys for listening so much to this week's episode of Candid and Chaos. I'm hopefully going to do, like, a mental health Q&A if you guys have any questions. But next week, I will probably get back to just doing some more light and airy and happy episodes. Um, The next two will be, I don't know what the next week will be, but I know Valentine's Day weekend, Nick's going to join me on the podcast. And you guys can ask him questions, and I'll ask him some questions too. So I'm excited for that. So please go check me out on my podcast Instagram, which is at Candid Chaos. Check out my personal Instagram, which is Kayla Louise Hearn. And I might start doing TikToks. I don't know. I posted one the day I'm recording. This was Saturday. And I don't know. It makes me really nervous, but let's see what happens. So thank you guys for listening, and I'll talk to you guys next week. Mm-hmm.